Greetings. This is Chris from We Hate Bards, and I would like to thank you for listening to our podcast. If you like what you hear, leave us a review on Apple Music, Spotify, or on whatever other podcast service you're hearing us from. If you want to slip us a couple of gold pieces to help cover the cost of the podcast, then head on over to our Patreon account at www.patreon.com slash wehatebards. Those that back us will receive early release episodes of the podcast, custom content, and Patreon-only podcast episodes. If you're looking to join any of our games, head on over to the meetup and search We Hate Bards. We've got multiple games, both virtual and in person, going on weekly, and membership is always free. Again, thanks for listening. And now, on to the podcast. Greetings again. This is Chris, and today we are going to be delving back into Steve Jackson's Sorcery, which is um, one of the, how should I put this, fighting fantasy uh because uh, they had the fighting fantasy books, which were a lot shorter, and this is kind of fighting fantasy plus almost. It's got a lot more stuff. So there seems to be four of these books in the series. So there is uh, Kare, City of Traps, which I have up on my bookshelf over there. And then I have, which I think is number two, and then I have The Crown of Kings, which is Sorcery 4. Now, saying, Chris, why aren't you going through these books in order? Because the used bookstore only had these two books available. And this book is quite hefty, actually. Um, in fact, uh, let me see here. Uh, we'll grab it, the City of Kare Traps, which is Sorcery 2. And mind you, these are also, you can play them like one, two, three, four, the same character. It would be darn near possible for you to get through all four books because these things are, are death traps. But um, 2 is about, uh, let's see, you know, it goes to... You know, 500-ish entries-ish, like little paragraphs. This one uh, is quite substantial. It goes up to 800 of these types of, uh, like, little entries. So it's, it's, a, it's more substantial. Probably the most substantial probably out of all of them. So also in the back, they do have, which I find interesting, the Sorcery Spellbook, which gives you a... Uh, bunch of different magical things you can use to do magic. So instead of having to buy the spell book, which is impossible to find nowadays because it just is. You get it for like a hundred bucks on Amazon. Uh, it gives you a little bit of some spells in the back, which is kind of cool if I want to play a magic character. But I don't know if I'm going to do that yet because that seems awfully complicated. I think we're going to, going to go straight raw strength. So as with all these characters before, we've got uh, skill, stamina, and luck. So skill, stamina, and luck. Oh, what's my character's name going to be? Um, uh, Vincent. Okay, so Vincent is going to so get a D6. Oh, they got different skills for warrior. All right. So roll one die if you're playing a warrior to the simple game. Add six to this number and enter into the skill box. Wizard, I only had four to the number. Okay, so 1d6 plus 6 for my skill. 3 equals 9 for the skill. Okay, not bad. Uh, roll both dice, two dice, and you'll get added to this number of stamina. So 7, average, add that to 12, 19. 
and then add a add a number six and roll six. Ooh, 12 for luck. So average, but very lucky. Okay. So we got still scamming and luck. Uh, and we know how battles, so how battles work is, so we have like two dice and you add your skill and you roll two dice for the other guy, they add their skill, and then kind of whoever gets the higher number uh, basically does two points of damage. And then you can burn luck to, you know, increase the damage and whatnot. So, uh, let's see here. Uh, start running provisions for two meals, so I'm going to write provisions to uh, times two. Let's see. Uh, let's see. So two provisions. Uh, and then, let's see, I think you only start out with uh, a sword and a shield, I believe. Uh, with series amount of provisions, uh, I believe it starts with like leather armor and a sword, I believe. So, but I'll put down here under uh, items, what else we can find. So... Let me read you the back of the book first. So now that we got our character, um, 9 skill, nine, 19 stamina, 12 luck, 2 provisions, and no items at the start. And also, I, I, I'm... Actually, if you could finish these books and go from book to book, um, it might actually be super helpful because then you could carry over all these magical items that you had from one game to the next, which might prove super useful. So the legendary crown of kings is last within your grasp. Or is it? At the end of your long trek, you face the unknown terrors of the Mampang Fortress. Hidden inside the keep is the crown of kings, the ultimate goal of sorcery epic. But beware, for if you have not defeated the seven serpents, your rival has been anticipated. Ooh, which was the previous book. Um, so, like, the, the, the book layout going down is the Samatarni Hills, first one, uh, Kare, City Border Traps, number two, the seven serpents, three, and the crown of kings, four. So... Starting out, uh, let's see, fourth adventure, says we don't have to, you know, have any other ones to play this. Uh, oh, okay, also, uh, oh, also, uh, oh, okay, we, we also have um, Libra, the god of justice. I remember this from the last one. So we have uh, Libra, we can do one of three things. Uh, so we have revitalization, which uh, Brings back our skill to initial value. Oh, so I can take my skill stamina luck if they get reduced a lot initial value. Uh, escape uh, when you're in danger. What they'll offer you that. Uh, and removal of disease or curse. Uh, okay, so I can only do this once though. Okay, so I have to save that. So we start your. Oh, here it is. Here's here's the item. So we start out with bare necessity of life. You have a sword, uh, backpack. Uh, and no spell book because pff, we're not a magic user. Uh, we have 20 gold. So I'll write down gold. I remember gold being important and like losing a lot of it. Uh, let's see here. I think that's it. Oh, and they also have like a cool little character sheet on here in the book, but I'm just using a piece of lined paper. So uh, let's see. Oh, good. It gives you, oh, it gives you like a whole... Um, Let's, let's let's do this. Let's let's read past the uh, the Legend of the Crown of Kings to get us in the mood of what this uh, series is about here. So centuries ago, in the time we now call the Dark Ages, whole regions of the world were undiscovered. There were pockets of civilization with Eastern race and culture. One such reason was uh, Kakhabad, a dark land at the end of the earth. Also, several warlords had tried. Uh, Kakhabad had 
had never been ruled. All metals of evil creatures forced from the more civilized lands beyond Zanzanu uh, peaks had gradually crawled into Kakabond, uh, which became known as the Verminit Verb Verm Vermin Pit at the end of the earth. Uh, civilization and order had spread throughout the rest of the known world ever since the discovery of the crown of kings by Shalana, the reformer of Fenfrey. With its help, uh, Shalana became emperor of the largest empire in the eastern world. This magical crown had mysterious powers, bestowing supernormal qualities of leadership and justice on its owner. But Shalana's own ambitions were not of conquest. He wished instead to establish peaceful nation-states. Um aligned to Fempre. Thus, in his wisdom, he passed the fabled crown from ruler to ruler in the neighboring kingdoms, and with the help of its magical powers, one by one these lands became peaceful and prosperous. The path was set. Each ruler would own the crown of kings for a fourth period in which to establish order within the kingdom and fall in with the growing of Fempre alliance. So far, the kingdoms of Ruddlestone, Lendaland, Galanteria, and Bryce had taken their turns under the rule of the crown. The benefits were immediate. War and strife were virtually unknown. The, uh, the king of Amaland uh, duly received the crown of kings amid great ceremony, and from that day onward, the development of Amaland uh, was ensured. No one quite knew how the crown of kings could have such an enormous, uplifting effect on a whole nation of placebo. <coughs> Some said it was divinely inspired. Some say the power is merely in the mind. But one thing was certain. The effects were unquestionable. All was well in Amaland until the night of the black moon. The king was the first to discover the crown was missing, carried off by the starless knight by the birdmen of Zaman. The crown was on its way to Mangpang in the outlaw territories of Kakabad. News came from the Baklands that the crown was being carried to the archmage of Mangpang, whose ambitions were to, to make uh, Kakabad his kingdom. Although Kakabad was a dangerous land, it was itself little threat to the surrounding kingdoms. The lack of rule meant it had no army, and its own internal struggles kept it permanently preoccupied. But with the crown of kings established rule, Kakabad could potentially be a deadly enemy to all members of the Fempre Alliance. Such was the shame that fell on Analand for the loss of the crown that all benefits from two years under its rule soon disappeared. Law and order and morale were breaking down. The king was losing the confidence of his subjects. Neighboring territories were looking suspiciously across their borders. Um, then there were even whisperings of invasion. One hope remained. Somebody, uh, for a military force would never survive the journey, must travel to Mangpang and rescue the crown of kings. Only on its safe return would the dreadful curse be lifted from Analand. You have volunteered yourself for the quest, and that mission is clear. You must cross uh, Kakabad to the Mangpang fortress and find the crown. So we have arrived, I guess. And, uh, oh, it's got a little map here. Okay, so we were, so we got stuck in the city of Kare, the city of traps, um, previously, and we couldn't get out because it was an awful place. And, uh, we died there a bunch of times. But, this is a new game, so we're starting out fresh. Uh, okay, so, starting out, page one, entry one. Uh, like a gigantic claw clutching at the sky, the Mangpang Fortress is a foreboding image etched into your mind. Although it is the goal of your mission, its appearance in the distance gives you no sense of relief at the, uh, the approach of your journey's end. The feeling is rather one of apprehension and danger as you pick your way towards the great castle on high, which is partly obscured by the billowing clouds which shroud the utmost peaks of Zanzunas. The, uh, the going becomes harder as your trail through Zaman, uh, through low Zaman. The Zanadu foothills are evidently little used by creatures on foot, and the path is indistinct. Over the way is muddy, you can make out half marks along the trail. There are days, if not weeks old, but what sort of creature has made them? The sun faded behind dense clouds and the sky darkens. Perhaps a storm is brewing. A distant rumbling from the heavens confirms your suspicion. You better prepare yourself. 
It is already late in the evening, so perhaps it would be wise for you to find a suitable place to camp for the night. There is plenty of shelter under the vegetation to avoid the rain, but you'd feel safer in a cave of some sort if you're going to uh, get some sleep. You pause to consider which way would offer you the best chance of shelter. Uh, to the east and west, leaving the trail, the undergrowth would make going heavy, with no real cover, uh, which would be happy to sleep under. No, the path ahead to the north is really your only way forward. Your eyes follow it. A few hundred meters ahead, it turns to the right around a rocky ridge. With a bit of luck, there may be a nook of some sort in the side of the ridge in which you'd be able to shelter. You press on. When you reach the bend in the path, you're able to see what lies ahead. To your right, you see exactly what look what you were looking for. Not one, but three caves are set into the rock. Exclamation point. Uh, the nearest one of these smallest entrance, which probably opens into quite a shallow cave, the central cave looks large enough for you to light a fire inside. Uh, although the cave could be quite deep and therefore dangerous, the third cave is similar size, but looking at the trail, you notice that half footprints lead into this cave. Uh, which cave will you try? Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, and this is the thing about um, uh, these type of games. Uh, I say this a lot, and th these are a little bit better than than kind of some of the normal books. Is that they want to have a, a a lot of replay value in them because they expect you to like replay them like over and over and over and over again to like find basically put your fist uh th you know round uh like square peg through a uh, round hole. Just keep on pushing it until you chop the, all the edges off and push it through. So you really don't know what you're doing or which cave. Uh, there's no like you know, ability to understand like which cave or which place is going to be the best one. You just have to try things. And obviously some of them are going to be a lot worse than others, but you, but you never know, you never know. And you have no way of, you know, really finding out. So <sighs> middle cave, we're going to middle cave, middle cave, 136. So 136. Uh, you step into the cave entrance and peer inside. It doesn't smell particularly pleasant in there, but it seems to be safe enough. Uh, the thing is that, it, a little worrying, though, is the depth of the cave. You cannot see the back. The cave just disappears into blackness. If you feel to be safe from one of the other caves, you may approach either the smallest cave or the other cave. If you venture inside the cave, turn to page 507. Uh, we're going in. So go to page 507. And uh, you're going to die. Uh, there's plenty of room inside the cave. You step inside and glance around and satisfy there are no dangers about. It all seems safe enough. If you want to double check by exploring the dark depths of the cave, turn to page 268. If you wish to settle down, perhaps to eat, turn to page 366. If you want to stretch out and get some sleep, turn to page 574. Um, we are going to explore the deep depths of the cave to make sure there's no uh, buddy in there. So we're going to go to page 268 and probably going to have to fight like a bear or something. Oh! <laughs> I knew it. Uh, and it's got a really funny looking picture here. The cave extends deep into the rock and becomes gradually gloomier with only the dim light from the entrance to help you. Your hand is following the left-hand wall. Your foot kicks something soft. Indistinctly, you spring backwards. This is not a rock. That was something of an animal. Your fears are confirmed when a shuffling and growling noise comes from the spot. Suddenly, a blow catches you across the chest and knocks you sprawling backwards. You curse. You are standing between this creature and the entrance. Although you could not see it, it could probably see you. You must deduct two stamina points from below, which has uh, partially winded you. Alright, let's go to 17 stamina. Uh, as you run back to the entrance, the roaring beast pursues you, and in the light you can see what it is. The distinctive black and white fur of long, bushy tail are unmistakable. You have stumbled across the lair of a skunk bear. Will you run from the cave and escape the creature, or will you draw your weapon and attack it? Um, 
uh, we're going to draw your weapon and attack it. Turn to page 490, because a bear's can actually run really fast. Um, so I'm assuming that this bear will be able to find us no problem. Uh, let's see here. 490. Uh, the skunk bear rises up on its hind legs and steps towards you. Its sharp claws slash and they resolve your fight with the creature. Uh, okay. So it has a skill of 7, and how this works is so I have a skill of 9. So I roll 2d6. I rolled an 8. 8 plus 9 is 17. Roll 2 for his skill. 5 plus 2 is 12. So then I do 2 points of damage to him. So so now he only has 4 stamina. And then we kind of continue this on. 8. Another 2 points of stamina. I'm really I'm just really laying into this thing. Just like body blow after body blow. So I got a 7. And it got a 9. So 16 plus 16. So I believe... And when it, when it comes to double rolls of, of the exact same amount, or like the exact same skill versus skill, like no damage is done. Uh, 11. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I just sword, you know, up to the hilt in this thing, you know, push it against the wall. Um, so uh, after your second successful attack, if you do not to escape, turn to page... Oh, 346. Oh, I didn't read that. I should have read. So oh, he's going to spray me with something. Uh, 346. Um... Okay, the creature roars loudly to blow strikes. It step backwards away from you and it raises tail in the air. Turning its backside toward the skunk releases a special weapon. A horrendous uh, stench fills the enclosed cave. You gag and fight to hold down your feelings as nausea would grip you. Meanwhile, the skunk bear moves to attack. Continue the fight, but you must have two skill points the rest of the battle. If you successfully attack the creature, you must escape by the cave. So now it's seven versus seven. Okay, so wheel it back, wheel it back. So I did two points of damage, now it's seven versus seven. So basically it's roll versus roll. So yeah, so I did another two points damage to the attack. Ooh, ten and nine. Yeah, I dominate this thing. Uh, you stupid thing. How, 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 how dare you? How dare you? Okay, so, uh, so, uh, if you continue the fight, turn to page 558 if you win. So, I, yeah. So, I continue the fight, and I kill this thing, because I'm super mad, because it sprayed me with its filthy thing. So, 558. Uh, uh, as the blow fells the creature, you step back out of the ca uh, cave to catch your breath of fresh air. The rest of the few minutes, and then return to your cave to finish your meal. Eventually, the onset of darkness makes you decide that you'd better prepare for bed and, and uh, before you aren't able to see it all. Turn to page 384. Okay. Stupid skunk bear. Okay. Is it uh, 384? Uh, yeah, 384. The storm breaks during the night, uh, waking you several times. You are thankful for the shelter the cave affords. Rain pelts down and muddy puddles form in the cave entrance. But but by morning, the rain has stopped and the sun is fighting its way through the low hang of the clouds. You rise early and prepare yourself for the day. Judging the distance as best you can, you should be able to reach the fortress by the end of the day. If your stamina is below your initial level, you may add two stamina points for the rest. Yes, so back up to 17. Uh, if you did not eat all yesterday, you must deduct three stamina points, as you are now hungry. If you wish, you may take... Uh, with you some stone, uh, with some stone dust and three small pebbles, which you can pick from the cave. Now you must leave the other, the cave and stuff a journey. So I got okay, all right. So items I have, uh, I have dust and I have stone pebbles for some reason. Okay, all right. However, that's gonna help me. Uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna move one of my provisions to say I was gonna eat. Uh, and yeah. Because I assume, I assume I, I ate overnight. So to, to kind of gain back the two stamina. 
So as you climb through the foothills of Lozaman, you notice how few animals are about. Certainly animals would hide from you, but there are no signs of wildlife. Perhaps the terrain is too treacherous. The going is undoubtedly becoming harder, and by late morning you are climbing steeply. Ahead, the narrow trail splits uh, to offer you two ways out onward. To the right, your path continues to wind up the mountainside, while to the left, the narrow slope spans a gully and joins another path. Both lead upward in the direction you are heading, which you choose. Uh, so it's off two ways onward. To the right, path continues to wind up the mountainside. Uh, let's go to the left, so 298, because uh, it goes down to the gully. Why? I don't know. You follow the path along a rope bridge. Examining it, you find it looks strong enough to hold you. Uh, but it sways about dangerously as you step onto it. The gully uh, that it spans is deep, and a fall from the bridge would certainly kill you. Test your luck. If you are lucky... Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm guaranteed to be lucky. Yeah. Look at 12. So turn to page 117. So I am, I am super lucky. I'm always lucky. You manage to hold on the bridge. It sways into your weight. When you reach the other side, you breathe a sigh of relief and continue along the trail. Turn to page 380. Well, yeah. Because I'm lucky as can be. The trail winds up the mountainside, and you follow it until you, uh, the sight ahead makes you stop. To your left, higher up the rocky cliffs, is a strange structure made out of twigs, branches, and moss. It looks like a huge bird's nest perched upon a ledge. Do you want to climb up the side of the mountain to investigate, or will you ignore and continue along your path? <sighs> but see, this is, the, this is the kind of, like, difficult thing about these. Because obviously climbing up the mountainside... Uh, to look at this bird nest is going to be very dangerous. Uh, and, there, and, and in normal circumstances, we know way to do it. But this is finally like adventure game logic. So there's probably like some kind of pendant or ring in there. We need to open like the front gate for some reason that's there. And if we don't pick it up now, we won't be able to go back and get it. So uh, let's investigate at 530. Or sometimes they like to troll you and be like, oh, JK, you died. Womp womp. Uh, better luck next time. Um, there's no trail leading up to the great nest. You must climb up the rock face, taking care not to let any of your belongings fall. A couple of times your foot slips into this cascade of small pebbles down to the path below. But eventually you reach the ledge. As it seems earlier, the nest is, is a huge airy, but with no nooks and crannies where objects could be hidden. Do you want to investigate these possible hiding places? Oh, but with nooks and crannies where possibly be hidden. Or do you feel it's prudent to think not much about, uh, about the treasure, but more about what may live in the giant nest? If so, climb back down the path and continue your journey. Uh, I mean... We came up here to find something, so let's find it. 477. Uh, let's see. Do, 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 do. Okay. You climb the nest and search. Something glinting in the sunlight catches your attention. From underneath a small pile of twigs, you pull a shimmering mirror in a, with a golden back. Hastily, you put this in your backpack and look around for more treasure. But you are so preoccupied with your search, you do not notice the dangers approaching. Finally, the flurry of flapping wings makes you spin around. Standing at the edge of the nest, uh, casting a shadow across you, are three man-sized creatures with long, feathered wings. Their hair is wild and sharp. Hooked beaks uh, project from their faces. Fish talons protrude from their hands and feet. Birdmen! You curse silently. You should have recognized the signs. Sam and Birdmen are among the most hated and feared creatures known in the uh, Zensinus. One of these um, beats his wings and springs to the air. The others follow suit. Together they descend on you before you have a chance to react. Their sharp talons dig in your flesh as they lift you up in the air. Well, I'll call you drop to the path. From this height, your death is certain, and the pain from your shoulder makes it impossible to concentrate in a spell. Your journey has come to an end. See what I mean? See what I mean, folks? This is garbage. This type of this this type of this type of 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 of, of, of trash. Uh, <laughs> See, and it's like, okay, your journey's coming to an end. Now roll up a new character and start all over again. Which, 
is what we're going to do. So what we'll do now is I'm thinking we will roll up a new character and then we'll, and for part two, we will get right into it. So we'll put uh, Vincent, we'll put, uh, you know what? Vincent two, Vincent the second, his brother. Uh, and we'll do skill stamina and luck. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Okay, maybe, okay, so skill, uh, D6 plus six. Another nine, he was a brother. Stamina, uh, 2d6 plus 12. Four, so 12, 16, so not his stamina. Uh, luck, eight, no, 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 uh, d6 plus six. So I guess it'd be, uh, double fours doesn't matter, so I guess it would be 10. So a little less lucky, a little less stamina-y. Uh, you know, it's got provisions to... Gold, 20 items. We got backpack and sword. Oh, goodness gracious. Okay. What a... What a stupid thing. All right, well, we got a couple more minutes. I think what we'll do is we'll continue on. Um, we'll go back to the beginning. So Vincent Vincent died and got crushed uh, on a path. That's okay, because Vincent, too, is hot and ready Put me in, coach. I'm ready to go. So we will we'll skip the whole section. The first thing, we're right up there and look at the caves. We already know that. So let's now go to the smallest cave. So 222. So we get up there. We're going to go to the smallest cave instead of fighting the skunk bear. We're going to go in the littlest cave. So, you step up to the small cave mouth and kneel down to look inside. Although you'll be able to crawl into the cave, the entrance will be a tight squeeze. But as your eyes become accustomed to darkness, you see that there will be enough room for you to fit comfortably. The back of the cave is black, so you're able to tell whether or not the cave is completely empty. Uh, you will get down on all fours and poke your head in the cave. Ow! A shrill howling comes from inside the cave and all but deafens you. Instantly, you jerk your head out again, away from the danger. The noise sounded as if it came from a hundred, uh, from a hound of some sort. You spring to your feet and draw your weapon, ready to face whatever inside, but nothing emerges in the cave. When your courage returns, you must make a decision. Will you enter the cave and face what is inside, or instead try the middle cave? We're going to enter the cave and face the side. Just like Vincent the First, we're foolish and, and, and ready to fight. So, 123. Uh... 23. Okay. The beast inside uh, must be taught a lesson. Its howling will not prevent you from resting in its cave. Do you wish to enter with your weapon drawn or you cast a spell? A weapon drawn. 286. I mean, we don't we don't have a spell. Oh, and also spells about this, like, reduce your stamina. Uh, which is bad and good. I mean, like, the spells are pretty powerful in this. You can do a lot of damage and do a lot of different things, but they reduce your stamina as you use them. As you enter the cave, the howling starts again. It's horrendously loud. You give several thrusts in the blackness to warn whatever is inside that you are armed. You touch nothing. Pushing yourself right inside, uh, you slash with your weapon. Hits the side of the cave wall, but nothing else. Suddenly, the howl stops as you feel something brush against your ankle. A scurrying noise catches your attention as you watch a small ball of fur, no bigger than a cabbage, race out of the cave with two short, stumpy legs. You breathe a sigh of relief and chuckle. This must have been a jib-jib. Although this uh, has been your first sighting of such a creature, you have heard about them from scholars of Adelon. Possessing neither teeth nor claws, Jib-Jibs defend themselves with their tremendous voice. With deceased, will be attacked into thinking they are facing dangerous beasts. You watch the harmless little creature scurrying the undergrowth. Uh, but what 
uh, of your intended home for the night. The cave itself seems to be ideal. Its narrow entrance will easily be defended. And although you are not able to stand up inside, there is room for you to be comfortable. You have not yet dis uh, discovered how deep the cave is, but there is no sound coming from the back. Do you wish to eat a meal? Uh, do you want to reassure yourself there is nothing else in the back of the cave, or will you settle down and sleep for the night? Uh, I want to eat a meal, because last time it said that, like, if we didn't eat, uh, you know, bad. So, you have food. Uh, if you have not eaten today, you will gain two stamina points in the meal. If you have already eaten today, you will gain one stamina point. If you don't eat food with you, you gain no stamina. Make this adjustment to your adventure sheet, and settle down for the uh, sleep tonight. Turn to page 384. Okay. Okay, this is the same one where, like, the storm breaks, um, you know, over the night, we get up, have some meals, we already get the meal, the stamina's at the top. So now we have to decide, kind of, if we want to go down to that gully where the bird thing is, or we want to kind of continue up. This time, let's, let's continue on that same path where our brother went. Uh, let's go down, uh, do, 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 so, to the right, the path is wind up, so let's go to the left, 298. But this time, we are not going to, uh, you know. So, so you follow the path along a, a rope bridge. So now we have to test our luck again. Okay. So we get to the rope bridge. Um, looks a little rickety. I mean, I got luck at ten. Good. Test our luck. We're okay. Uh, so one seventeen is is where we're lucky and we don't fall to our death. Um, so you manage to hold the bridge, it sways under your weight. When you reach the other side, you breathe a sigh of relief and continue along the trail, paint to 380. And now we are going to, um, winds up the mountainside. Uh, there's a large structure, that's the, the bird nest. Uh, do you want to climb up the mountain? No. Or you ignore it and continue along the path. We're going to ignore it and continue along the path. So, uh, you continue along the path, which winds along the side of the mountain past two more similar giant nests. Thankfully, there are no signs of whatever lives in them, but your relief is short-lived, for a flickering shadow appears before you. You look up towards the sun and can make out large shapes hovering in the air. Two great wings are beating the, uh, to keep the creature aloft. You shield your eyes from the sun and are able to see more clearly what is watching you. A human shape is held in the air by huge feathery wings. Its mouth is sharp, hooked beaks, and wild black hair blow in the wind. Its arms and legs are all sharp talons, and the creature is watching you intently. Of course! This is the land of the Birdmen! These creatures are among the most hated and feared at all Zans and us. The Zaman Birdmen were responsible for your mission in the first place, as they who stole the crown of kings from the court in the Anilan. Do you wish to seek shelter behind a shrubbery bush on the side of the path, or you instead hail the creatures and try and talk to it? Uh... No, we're going to try and hide. What, talk to it? They, they, they're the ones who stole the crown. They are not really going to be in the talking mood properly. So. Uh, just in time, you nip behind the cover. The birdman swoops down on it you with his talons flashing. It misses you by inches and streaks loudly rise into the air and wheels around to attack you again. Uh, you do not stand much of a chance hiding in the brush. And your thought occurs to you that the other birdmen may be in the area. Best plan would be to attack the creature quickly in hopes that none of its companions will see the disturbance. If you wish to fight with a weapon, turn to page 450. Otherwise, cast a spell. Well, we don't have spells. We got our sword, so we better we better do it. Bring out this. Bring out the sword. Uh, there is no escaping this creature. You are at a battle to the death. Oh my goodness. Okay, so. Uh. Yeah, so basically, there is a skill of nine, I have a skill of nine, so basically, it's just stand-up die rolls. Um, and you know what? 
we're at about like half an hour-ish, I think. So I think we're going to save this. We'll start uh, round two, or session two of Steve Jackson's Sorcery number four, uh, with a fight with the Birdman to see if we actually live. And then uh, if we live, we can continue on at Vincent the Two. If we die, well, then uh, Vincent had a third brother, younger, um, who will be following up. So, uh, yeah, uh, Steve Jackson's Sorcery number four, uh, another meat grinder, and we'll see you the next time.